Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. In this episode of Trekking Through Compliance, we take up one of my personal favorites, the Doomsday Machine. Compliance, the final frontier. Tom Fox is the voyager of trekking through compliance. His mission, to explore the original series and seek out and share what it can teach you about compliance. Here's your host, Tom Fox. In this episode of Trekking Through Compliance, we consider the episode The Doomsday Machine, which aired on October 20, 1967, and occurred on Stardate 4202.9. Story synopsis. The Enterprise responds to a distress call and finds that all seven planets in the system L370 have been destroyed. The Enterprise then enters L374 and discovers that all but two of the inner planets have also been destroyed. They detect a distress beacon from the USS Constellation and then find the battered remains of the ship itself. Scanning the bridge seems that it is uninhabitable, but the rest of the ship seems to have reserved power and is habitable. Subspace interference prevents good communication, and Kirk is unable to contact Commodore Matt Decker, captain of the Constellation. Kirk, therefore, sends a boarding party to the Constellation to investigate. They find no sign of the crew, and Scotty determines that the warp drive to be inoperable and phasers to be exhausted. Kirk then locates Decker in an auxiliary control room, but Decker is in a state of shock and not very coherent. Even after injection by McCoy, Decker is unable to say what his ship was attacked by other than that thing. Kirk and Scott stay behind and play back the Constellation's record tape in which Decker reports discovering destroyed solar systems and entering L-374 to investigate the breakup of the fourth planet by science officer Masada. Decker reports that the ship was attacked and damaged, so he beamed down his crew to the third planet. The attacker then returned and further damaged the Constellation and then proceeded to destroy the third planet while Decker remained helpless on the Constellation. Washburn reports that the Antimatter in the warp drive had been deactivated, and Kirk surmises this is connected with the subspace interference. Decker informs them that the attacker was a miles-long robot, which uses pure anti-proton beam to destroy objects in its path, then digests them as fuel. Sulu computes the path of the robot that has brought it from outside our galaxy. Kirk beams Decker and McCoy back to the Enterprise. They arrive just as the conical doomsday machine planet killer makes a reappearance and pursues the Enterprise. It attacks him and damages the Enterprise's transporter and then heads for the densely inhabited Rigel 7 system. Commodore Decker pulls rank and assumes command of the Enterprise using Order 104, Section B, Paragraph Sub 1A, over Spock's objections. Decker orders an attack on the doomsday machine despite Spock's protests that its shell is made of neutronium and is therefore impermeable to attack from a single ship. 
The Enterprise is attacked by the Doomsday Machine, but manages to survive, and Decker then attacks the Doomsday Machine with phasers, which has no effect. The Doomsday Machine then attacks again, destroying the Enterprise's shield, and begins to pull it into the interior with a tractor beam. From the Constellation, Kirk sees what is going on and begins heading towards the Doomsday Machine using impulse power. It distracts the Doomsday Machine by firing its phasers, freeing the Enterprise, and then is turned sa- in, in turn saved when the Enterprise fires again. After the Enterprise re- restores ship-to-ship communication, Kirk angrily orders Spock to reassume command on his personal authority, which he does. After Spock assumes command, uh, Mr. Montgomery accompanies Decker for an examination in the sick bay. On the way, Decker overpowers Montgomery, then steals a shuttlecraft. Decker pilots the shuttlecraft into the killer's maw, killing himself, but producing a small drop in power in the doomsday machine. Kirk reasons that the explosion of a starship might be capable of destroying the alien vessel. Spock rigs the constellation to explode, then transports the Enterprise, leaving Kirk behind. The transporter then malfunctions, and Scott is only able to fix it just in time to being Kirk aboard the constellation as it is being swallowed. The last second, Kirk is beamed aboard the Enterprise. The constellation explodes, producing an explosion of 97.835 megatons, which turns the planet killer into a harmless pile of space junk. So what's today's fun fact? Well, the script was inspired by Moby Dick and Captain Ahad's quixotic quest for the white whale, but William Wyndham has said at Star Trek conventions that his character compulsively fiddles with the cassette cartridges on uh, while in the captain's chair as an homage to Humphrey Bogart, whose Captain Quig did the same thing with ball bearings in the Kane mutiny uh, trial scene. Very powerful if you've ever seen it. This episode marked the debut of the redesigned engineering set. The dilithium crystal storage units now occupied the center of the floor, and a ladder and upper level had been added into what was just a high bank of lighted panels in Season 1. The set can also be entered through a side spur hallway now, rather than simply as a side door off the main corridor. The console across from the forced perspective end of the set was replaced by a doorway as well. The huge structures among which Kirk's evil self and Ben Finney once hid are not seen in detail again, but the emergency manual monitor was built on stilts on that spot, and it made its debut in Mirror Mirror. The engine components appear and disappear as scenes dictated. They show up in the Day of the Dove and the Paradise Syndrome, but are absent in Elan of Troyes. The Trident scanner that Scotty pulls out of the new storage unit near the doorway to engineering is the same prop that Spock used in Metamorphosis as he worked on the shuttlecraft, which is Instant Hunter also uses as a plug-in in the Ultimate Computer. The modified radiation survey meter is used again as well. The auxiliary control room is first seen in this episode above the Constellation, and its large viewing screen was previously used is at, in briefing rooms as well. So lots of changes on the set, and they may appear to be subtle changes. Nevertheless, they were uh, significant uh, demonstrating the popularity of Star Trek and the money that NBC put into it. So what are today's three uh, compliance takeaways? 
Let me start with the first one. How do you terminate a third party? Here they had to kill the doomsday machine, but how do you terminate a third party? Do you have uh, rights of termination within your third-party agent agreement? If you don't, I suggest that you start putting them in for under certain conditions, you'd have a unilateral right to terminate. Uh, So, for instance, if they violate the FCPA, if they engage in bribery and corruption, if they pop up into one of the bad guys' lists, or what happens if the Trump administration changes sanctions again and you can no longer do business with them. So... Uh, how do you terminate a third party? It's a critical area that uh, many companies stumble upon, particularly in uh, countries like the Middle East, where termination is going to require a lengthy payout or at least a large payout. Number two, how do you evaluate your risk assessment? This is, question is not how do you do a risk assessment, but the question I pose to you today is how do you evaluate your risk assessment? Well, the easiest way is to force rank your uh, risks, whatever they may be, and then remediate as possible. So um, the key, though, is to uh, rank them and then begin remediation under a uh, plan or a schedule or if the Department of Justice comes knocking, they're going to want to see that you're moving forward uh, in a reasonable, well-reasoned approach. And number three, how does your organization respond to findings in an investigation? Uh, does it actually do something? If you perform a root cause analysis, do you take that information and loop it back into your compliance program to help make your program uh, better going forward? So how do you use the information you obtain in an investigation? Join me tomorrow where we take up the episode, Cat's Paw. If you enjoyed this episode of Trekking Through Compliance, you can help it grow by sharing it with the biggest Trek fan you know. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.